Hey, everybody. It's Frank Scavatici at the Virtual Real Estate Investing Podcast. And I'm here to do a solo and uh, talk about the recession. Uh, we're about, I think, two weeks away from us achieving a technical recession, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. We're expecting the economy to recede by 1.6% um, when they report this, which isn't great. Um, and uh, we're going to the White House is arguing that they're not going to be, we're not technically in a recession because unemployment numbers are looking really good. I think we're still sitting at 3.6% um, unemployment and there's a ton of open jobs, which typically is a sign of strength. But in this case, I tend to believe it shows um, a uh, reluctant labor force due to many, many reasons, which is bad for its own reasons. So I think, you know, long story short, things are getting pretty choppy. And it might take us a while to come out of this. You know, your average recession lasts what a year and a half to two years. Um, so I'm going to talk today about you know some things that are going on, how we think about it, and um, you know my thoughts on the the whole thing. So uh, first thing I want to talk about is how is this, how's the rate hikes, this uh, technical recession affecting housing? Um, well, transaction volume in single family housing is way way down. I think uh, I read somewhere. I, that in June, I think transaction volume was down from the previous year, like 30 to 40%. I, uh, I can't quote the source, so I'm, I'm doing a shitty job of going over this, but it's down a lot, right? If you look at homes in your area, really, really good chance you're seeing price drops. My, uh, my brother just got a house, $300,000 under list price <laughs> because uh, the market dried up on this poor seller. Um, so I think they're actually taking a loss on the deal. So stuff is, stuff is changing changing, right? So for people that work in, let's say commercial, commercial real estate, let's talk commercial. Um, how do we, how do we gauge this environment, right? Um, people are not moving as much demand is, is waning, right? Um, this does affect storage as well in storage when less people move and housing transaction volume goes down. That's one of the big demand drivers for storage. So how, how do you handle that, right? You're, you're probably going to have less demand, right? With a fixed supply in your market. So how do you handle this? Well, I'll tell you a couple of things. First thing, underwriting. When you're looking at new deals, um, a lot of people have said, okay, I'm buying an existing self-storage facility, or maybe I'm doing development. And when they look at their pro formas or the, when they make their projections, they'll say, I'm going to go to the top of the market. The, the top competitor in this market is charging $15 a square foot for rent, right? And uh, they'll base their numbers off of that. Maybe they say 90% occupancy, $15 a square foot, and they get their top line revenue projections off of that. And they assume 30% or 35% expense ratio, bam, there's your net operating income. That's There's more to it than that, but that's, that's a lot of it, right? Um, don't, this is my advice, do not assume you are going to get to the top of the market. Just just, it's not the right time to make that assumption and prices are starting to soften. So you don't need to make that assumption. On our most recent deal that we're closing on, actually Friday, um, the top competitor in our market is charging a whopping $18 a square foot for non-climate control storage, which is very, very high. That, that's crazy high, actually. Um, it's the highest, highest rent per square foot in the market we've seen. The seller we're taking it over from was charging like $9.8 a square foot in storage. We're not going to assume we're getting to $18, right? Like that's a 50%, excuse me, that's a 100% price increase. The seller 
there's really, really below market rents in the facility we're buying. We're only going to assume that we're going to get to 13 or 14, right? And we're basing our numbers and our profits off of that, right? So we're we're only saying we're going to get about halfway there to the top of the market. I think that's that's smart, right? I think you know your average market, maybe the top of the market's $14 a square foot for storage, non-climate control, and maybe you're at eight, underwrite it to an 11. Do not assume you're going to be able to come in for a facility that was not run properly and just jack the rents up all the way to the top. There is a chance that people in the top of the market in self-storage have to come down. They actually might have to drop rents because customers, when their wallets are tight, inflation's hurting them at the gas pump, at the, at the grocery store, people are more likely now to leave a facility and move to a cheaper facility um, and be less sticky. Right? The, I think we'll see in the, in the REIT facilities, the nice ones, class A facilities, I think we're going to see customers, their duration of stay, maybe it's a year average right now, the duration of stay of that customer and the nice ones, I think it'll go down, right? They'll move from a class A facility to a class B facility. I think this is also applicable to multifamily, right? And housing for that matter. Class A housing, think like mansions, class A multifamily, luxury rentals, luxury apartments. A lot of people can are going to move down from class A stuff to class B stuff. So I think people got to be careful about underwriting aggressive rents on class A stuff as well. That's one reason people like class B and class C multifamily is once you get there, the only place to go down in housing from that point is like mobile housing or trailer parks. Um, and a lot of people try to avoid that, right? And that's that's another reason mobile home parks and uh, those type of investments can be somewhat recession resistant. Um, so those might be a good idea for you right now. So long story short, don't be too crazy on your, your rent projections, right? Maybe, uh, maybe go to the middle and um, that might still pencil, right? Um, guidances are changing for sellers and brokers in, in terms of how much they can charge for their facility. Okay. Um, another thing that you can do um, in commercial real estate, you know, let's say you're really hurting, right? Let's say um, you did um, underwrite your deal at the top of market rents and you now cannot hit them because people are struggling a little bit. Um, you got to start playing some defense, right? Maybe you can delever, right? If you're if you're not closing, if you haven't closed the deal yet, maybe delever it a little bit. So your debt service is a little bit lower, sacrifice a little bit of IRR projection. Um, and also if, if you've already closed, start renegotiating stuff. Insurance costs the last three to four years got really, really high. If you're in Florida right now trying to get insurance during hurricane season with the material costs being high, you probably got charged out the ass. Start renegotiating stuff and start trying to save some money, right? If you've already lost, play some defense for your investors. Um, if you have any recurring contracts with the cleaning company, or maybe you're doing third-party management and you know their demand is going to go down as well. If you have to, you, you might have to retrade some stuff. But I, I think if you own a large enough portfolio and your NOI is getting strained, you owe it to your investors to do that. So start hustling. Um, your expenses and start reducing those things drastically. If you're feeling the burn um, of a recession, it's likely your vendors and suppliers are as well, and they need your business. So put that in your back pocket. Try to avoid it if you can. No one likes to deal with a uh, retrader, but you got to do what's best for you at the end of the day. Um, another thing uh, I think is important to do right now, if you work in real estate in any asset class, if you're doing direct to seller, do more of it. And if you're not doing direct to seller, do it. Um, and in our asset class for storage, if you are buying facilities, I'll say over $3 million, it's very, very likely that a broker has already talked to that owner. Brokers 
are just as good at cold calling and hustling direct to seller marketing as operators are, right? That's how do, how do brokers get their business? They're on the phones calling these people. They're following up every month. They get fed based off of finding, finding sellers that want to sell, right? They don't really get sold. They don't get paid finding deals, but they get paid for building relationships with sellers and trying to sell them at the highest price they can, right? Um, but if transaction volumes are going down, which they are, which we've already talked about, there's not going to be enough money or transactions to feed the giant um, bloat of brokers we have and agents we have in single family, multifamily, self-storage, mobile home parks, RV boat, every asset class um, has got a ton of brokers in it right now because they've been making hay for the last five to seven years. Some of those people um, are going to have to find new jobs. They're not all going to make it. If you were brand new to commercial real estate, only got a year or two under your belt, a thin pipeline, and your wallet starts getting tight, it's going to be difficult to stick around in a 100% commission job. And some of those people are going to have to leave. That is an opportunity, in my opinion, for those that remain, right? If there's less people making outbound calls and you can stick around and make them, your chances of converting, I believe, are higher, right? And your chances of finding a distressed seller, if this recession continues, will also continue to go up, right? So I think this is the time, if you don't have those systems set up, to start putting them into overdrive. And I'd be very, very aggressive doing that. Like if you, if you haven't closed a deal and, or if you haven't closed a deal and you call someone and I call them and we've closed a bunch of deals, it's going to be difficult for you to overcome that objection, right? Because we have a track record. So you want to build your track record when, uh, when prices come down so that people trust you, you're dependable and people believe that you can close. Right. So, so get that going. Um, other, Thing, maybe the most important thing is avoiding bad real estate. In recessions, things that I would determine as bad real estate are going to get real cheap and the cash flows are going to look really, really good. I'm talking about like the $30,000 single family house in Shreveport, Louisiana, that, um, you know, someone markets with an ARV of $95,000, right? Those things might even sell at $6,000. Like, so there's some really crappy housing in the United States. And when you have like the, like the bigger pockets of Burr community loves to talk about those deals, like deals, like, yeah, it hits the 2% rule. I, you know, I charge, um, I pay $25,000 for the house and I collect $50,000 or uh, $500 a month in rent. Right. Like that's kind of the house I'm talking about. Those things are a CapEx nightmare. Like one boiler going out or one roof replacement eliminates like four years of cash flow, right? Like don't, don't fall for that shit. Okay. If you're going to do something like that, um, use creative financing and exit those properties as quickly as you can to get a profit, but holding on to them long-term, I don't like that. Um, office, um, or suburban office, I should say another case to me, um, of, I consider that bad real estate right now. We have like in some cities like San Francisco, which is an extreme example, but still an example. Occupancy in office is like 40%. It's crazy, crazy high. And that's with unemployment in the US at 3.6 or 3.8%. I don't think unemployment or unemployment is unlikely to go down with tech layoffs starting to materialize. Tesla, Redfin, Compass, Coinbase, and basically any property, any company that's not profitable is starting to let people go. And they're really, really focused on their burn rate and getting that down. Right. So I think unemployment for white collar workers is likely to go up if it hasn't already. 
that office was already bad, right? The return to office that everyone talked about is not happening in mass like some people thought, right? So there's going to be some stuff hitting the market at a big, big discount. Like, um, like think about an office landlord that has covenants in their debt that says, if you can't hit a certain debt service coverage ratio, we can call in the loan, right? There's a lot of people in that position and that's going to become distressed real estate. It looks tempting, but some of that shit is just bad. Like you don't want to own it. 20 years from now to be worth less um, against the dollar. So, so don't buy bad real estate. Um, the other example of bad real estate um, that I would see is, well, it might be good real estate, but in the short term, it's very, very risky. I'm thinking really, really high-end short-term rental type stuff, like a beachfront property in Malibu. Yeah, the demand for that property will always be there, right? But if you were buying that property, expecting to get some cash flow or yield off of it, and you overpay for that thing, that monthly hurt could could suck really, really hard. So I feel like if you're going like class A short-term rental, I would really, really think about deleveraging that or maybe even paying it cash um, because it is great. It's great real estate in the long-term, but that shit could really, really hurt because people do not travel as much during a recession if their wallets are tight, right? So I would expect if you're in the short-term rental game, especially in really nice locations, to I would I would not use today's numbers in your cash flow analysis. I would use, I don't know, I would use like 2012s and then assume and maybe give some ground for inflation and go there. I don't know, but I would just advise you to be conservative. Um, another piece of real estate, I actually like this business, but I think you got to be careful here um, and be very very conservative in your underwriting. Is RV and boat, um, which a lot of people compare or think is similar to storage. In fact, some facilities have RV and boat attached to it or next to it. But um, the difference is when recessions hit, people sell their boats. So if people sell their boats, they go back to uh, some vendor or distributor or dealer and they're outside of your facility, right? In a lot of cases. So you don't want to be assuming rent growth or occupancy growth on your RV boat deal um, if the American wallet starts to really hurt, okay? So that's, that's another example of what could potentially be bad real estate at the wrong price. Um, and then lastly, like on a personal level, um, let's assume you're doing great. Let's, let's do the uh, half glass full um, side of a recession. Let's say you and your family are liquid and you're like, hey, um, I'm thankful that I'm doing good, but how do, I, how do I take advantage of this situation? If you're liquid, like I think it's a great time to negotiate some luxuries, right? Rolexes, watches, um, like all that stuff's gotten crazy, crazy expensive over the last three years because uh, everyone's been getting ton of money, right? We've been printing a lot of money. Everyone's assets are worth more. So all that stuff went up in price. It'll probably come down, right? People have less money. Um, that shit might come down. There's a little volatility in that market. So if uh, those opportunities pop up and you can get a badass looking watch for uh, a cheap price, sure, go ahead. Um, another thing I know that ebbs and flows um, with the economy is country club initiation fees. I know my club, the fees have gone up and down quite a bit in previous recessions. Um, and memberships will decline like significantly more than you would think. You think people are buying country clubs as a luxury and they're all multi-multi-millionaires. That's not true. My club went down like 40% after the 08 recession, showing that you know there's wealthy upper middle class people that are sensitive to this stuff as well, right? But if you're not one of those people that are hurting or getting more conservative with your finances, prices might come down. You might be able to get into Wingfoot or uh, some badass club for less than it was worth. That's a bad example. Wingfoot's not going to drop prices, but your local town country club likely will. Um, I think that's all uh, I have to talk about today. 
Um, I'm going to probably sign off for the rest of the week. I got three deals to close this week, two of our final single family deals, and then one storage deal. So we're really, really busy, but super, super grateful for all the awesome stuff that's happening. Um, So I'll see you guys next week and um, enjoy yourself. Stay out of the heat. Peace.